Hey folks, welcome to the Hang Your Own Hang podcast, a monthly podcast about hammocks, hammock camping, and everything related. Our goal is to enlighten you if you're a ground dweller, uh, to entertain you if you're already a tree dweller. I'm Jonathan Kupel, and this is my co-host Mark Baldwin. Good evening, Jonathan. Good evening. How you doing? Back to uh, recording in separate rooms again. Yes. You don't yes. have to see my ugly face. <laughs> nope, yeah, it's, uh, it's back, yep, I'm back at my office, and getting ready for a nice uh looks like green christmas yeah well we might get a little bit of snow uh, i have no com- i have no complaints about a green quit christmas <laughs> fair enough <laughs> our uh our listeners should be impressed this is episode 40 we have been doing this for a long time yeah i know closing in uh three and a half years about and uh who would have thunk it yeah no kidding <laughs> Well, we're still doing it. I saw um, the first 40 Miles just released their last episode. Um, a lot of our listeners are familiar with the first 40 Miles. Yes, I saw that too. They um, just posted on uh, just recently within the last few days, correct? Yeah, I think they're going to leave the podcast up and available, but they're, you know, they've been doing it for a long time. And, and you know, there's only so long you can do free stuff for other people before you decide that you have other things that you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Plus, plus also they're doing, um, they're also doing weekly as opposed to where us that's doing monthly. So that's a lot of work. Yeah, I can totally respect that. Doing, um, doing a weekly podcast release would be a, a significant commitment. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we have hard enough time trying to figure out our times and everything when we're doing it once a month. No kidding. So well, uh. Today on our uh, podcast, we have um, we have Lance Smith, uh, known to anybody, many of our listeners as the host of the Outland Channel, um, and uh, I know he and uh, our listeners have been very excited to uh, to see how this episode comes out. Yeah, it should be good. Looking forward to it. To start, uh, let me just introduce really quick to our listeners. Uh, Folks, we have Lance uh, Smith of the Outland Channel, which is a popular uh, YouTube vlog. I guess, do we still use the word vlog in in (laughs) YouTube parlance? I think so. I think that's fair. All right. So he's a popular YouTube vlogger and uh, hammock camper. And we thought it would be fun to kind of talk a little bit about some of your experiences as a a, a hiker and a camper and... uh, as a, another person who kind of produces a, an audiovisual experience for his users. Maybe we could start uh, just by telling your, our listeners a little bit about yourself. Those There may be a number of our listeners who have never heard of you before. Um, who's Lance Smith? <laughs> well, thanks, guys, for having me on. Um, yeah, I'm Lance Smith. Uh, I go by the Outland channel on social media. I've had a YouTube channel for about, oh, I don't know, seven years now or so. And... Uh, it's it's not a real huge channel. In fact, it's pretty small, but uh, it, it is growing. And well, I've always enjoyed hiking pretty much my whole entire life. Um, when I was a kid, my grandparents used to take me 
hiking around to our local metro parks you know we'd go like on sunday after church or something mm-hmm. and these were i mean my grandparents were really fit people so we would go on like eight mile day hikes after church on wow. sunday. and uh, <laughs> so you know it started young and so i always loved the outside and just being outside and then i guess in my 20s i started getting into my career i got into the tech field i was always behind a computer screen and just kind of dropped off all the, the nature stuff and hiking and all that. And about 10 years ago, I decided to get back into it. A friend took me out on a trip and it was just a car camping trip. And it just was like, wow, I have got to get back into hiking and camping again. And so uh, that's kind of where it picked back up. And I decided to start filming it. And here I am today. Yeah, awesome. Now you're also a fellow uh, camper in the Northeast, right? Yeah, I'm in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Okay. Aiden. All right. I think I know where that is. <laughs> About an hour north of Cincinnati. Yep. Oh, okay. So a lot closer to Kentucky than uh, than we are. Yeah. Um, I go to the Red River Gorge a lot. It's about two hours from me. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was just out in uh, Cincinnati. I was shocked at how close. You don't think of Ohio as being near Kentucky. Yeah, like right. you don't think of it as almost a southern state. It's it was a it was kind of a, a strange experience for a second there when I figured it out. Yeah, everybody kind of thinks we're north, but you know, I don't know. The farther north you go, you and you're close to Michigan, so mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of in between. Yeah, and now um, you've been kind of camping and spending time outdoors all your life, um, but not hammock camping, obviously, uh, unless right. you uh, grew up in the Navy. <laughs> no. Well, how did you move from camping to hammock camping and, and what kind of, what kind of drove that advocacy? Well, I have my friend Joe to thank for that. Um, he and I used to do a lot of backpacking together and, uh, back when I got back into this about 10 years ago or so, I, uh, had a big marmot tent that I was lugging around. It was like five pounds or something. And he, my friend Joe had a tent as well. And I remember he was we saw these people down in Red River Gorge and they were hammock camping. And he's like, that looks like a lot of fun. That looks really amazing. I think I'd be super comfortable. And I, at the time I I was like, you're, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. How do you stay warm in that thing? How is that comfortable all night? I just thought he was nuts. But uh, fortunately he didn't listen to me. He went out and bought a Hennessy expedition hammock like the day after. And (laughs) so the next time we went camping, he, uh, he, he brought his hammock and he had it out. He's like, I just want you to get in it and try it. Just lay in it and tell me what you think. And the moment I laid in that thing, <laughs> I was sold. I was like, okay, what do I have to do to, to make this happen? And so he ended up upgrading his hammock setup and he uh, sold me that Hennessy expedition. That became my first camping hammock. So I skipped the whole uh, Eno thing, went straight to a fairly decent backpacking camping hammock. So you didn't, you didn't subscribe to the gateway drug. You went, you went right into the hard stuff. I went right into the hard stuff. And <laughs> I loved it because it had a, it had a bug net. You know, I didn't, the bugs didn't bother me. Uh, I had the tarp over me. It was, and I slept great in it every single time I slept in it. And it was just, and I still have that Hennessy. I love it. It's uh, kind of my backup hammock, but uh, I've moved on from that. I've upgraded since then, but uh Okay. Now, what does the Outland channel mean? Now, I, I, I know the channel part, but where'd you get the word Outland from? What does that, what does that mean for you or for our listeners? 
Well, everybody thinks it's some really special meaning. It's it's really it goes back about twenty years or so. Um, and I my name is Lance, and I like the outdoors, and so I yeah. put outdoors in front of Lance, and I came up with Outland, and <laughs> it's really really simple. And but I ended up using that for everything. I used it for my email addresses, all my well, I shouldn't say this, but all my accounts, you know, everything, all my logins, and everything was became Outland. And then when I started this channel, I was like, well, I'm going to use that Outland because nobody else has that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And if you'll share your social security number and uh, <laughs> name, we can get signed into some of those accounts. All too. my passwords are <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> oh, I, I could have guessed that. I have the same one on my luggage. <laughs> little space balls reference there. Nope. <laughs> I'm glad you got that. <laughs> same same uh same sense of humor there okay that's right i did have one guy comment on the channel once though his name was his name was actually john outland and he's like great name <laughs> and i was like you too that's, that's so funny it's a little awkward yeah <laughs> so lance now that we have some of the little bit of background on you how about family life do you have kids wife uh you juggling all that with work as well or uh yeah i have i have a wife and i have two uh twin boys who are uh, they'll be 10 here this month oh uh, so they're just they're old enough there to do you take them out at all or uh i've taken them out a few times they were in scouts up until this year and we took a break from scouts this year but they would have been wee belows this year but yeah oh, okay. we've camped uh, we've car camped uh, quite a few times together yeah and then does, is your wife outdoorsy or is she just let you go out and take the boys? Um, well, if, if you know the saying opposites attract, we're, we're very opposite when it comes to that. Uh, she hates the outside. It's basically just like my wife where it's your, uh, you know, the idea of roughing it is a, you know, motel eight instead <laughs> of a holiday inn. Yeah. Yeah. She uh, hates bugs. She hates heat. She'd rather be in the air conditioning in the summer and, you know, I, we've car camped a few times and I've, she'll go on day hikes with me, but she'll never backpack with me. Um, yeah. Never sleep in a hammock. <laughs> now, does that pose a challenge at all to you to be able to get out? I mean, looking at your channel, it seems like you're pretty active and all, you know, with camping and backpacking and all does, or is it her way of getting you out of the house for a weekend or something. Uh, yeah. Sometimes she just tries to get rid of me, but she's pretty understanding when it comes to that. Uh, as far as juggling it, uh, we try, we do a pretty good job about that. Uh, we, we have a, an app that we use. Uh, it's called cozy C O Z I and it's, it's a family app calendar sharing. So, you know, if I know I'm going to go on a trip, I try to schedule it way in advance. So she knows. So, you know, that way, if she has a girls night or a book club or something, I can make sure that I'm not scheduling a trip over and, and we talked about it and, you know, and usually she's really flexible with that. Let me get out, but it's usually, I don't get out for very long. It's, you know, one, two nights, maybe a weekend or a three day weekend type thing. Yeah. I think we're pretty much in the same boat as that where, and just wait, just wait with 10 years old. That's it's, that's uh, it becomes a different channel challenge in a year or two when you're like, we've been talking about just shuffling them everywhere. And it seems every night you got something with the kids. Yeah. There's a lot of extracurricular stuff. And, you know, 
I, I try to get them to go camping with me, but they're just, you know, they don't want to do the kind of camping that I want to do. So. Right. Now do you, uh, have you tried any, like with the boys, have you tried any, even just, you know, not just car, well, semi car camping where, you know, you pull up to the, you pull up and maybe hike, you know, even a few hundred yards and carry with it. And yeah, we've, it, we've done that. Mm-hmm. So are they, do they have any interest in doing anything more than that? Or I think, cause I think as, this is right around the same time when Jonathan and I started camping with our boys, I think they were around 10, 11 years old, right, Jonathan? Yeah. Christopher was nine. Um, and that was a year before we went, you and I went. So Christopher would have been 10 on that. I mean, I, I'll admit he, it was a, it was a hard hike and it was probably a little bit more emotionally grueling than it should have been. Yeah. But yeah. 10 and 11. Yeah. Yeah. So. They don't, they don't mind it as long as they have access to their, you know, electronics and stuff and, you know, not in the middle of nowhere. They they like the, the feeling of being relatively close to civilization. That's, <laughs> and oh, okay. I, I'm, you know, I like going out to the boondocks where there's no cell reception or anything, but, uh, <laughs> yep. yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's, it makes it, it makes it nice being able to get out away from a cell signal. And even though it can be frustrating, especially with the younger kids that grew up with the, or are growing up with all the electronics and everything. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of strange. Uh, that generation is just they're so tied to their electronics, and it's hard to pry it away from them. Yeah, sometimes you know, at least with me, I try and you know incorporate it with it, where you know, getting them use take advantage of the camera settings, the video settings, where they're still using the phones and everything, but at the same time appreciating that they are out outdoors and all. Nice. So kind of the same thing here too i mean you know once you're out far enough the 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 technology can be a great resource rather than be a hindrance to enjoying the outside that's a good point yeah uh let's i guess get into kind of some of your experience a lot of the content that you produce um for youtube has been kind of trip report related it looks like that's kind of where you get a lot of the, the the enjoyment from um, yes. But I also noticed that you started uh, blogging, mm-hmm. and you're an avid writer. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy writing. I, I, English was uh, always a favorite of mine. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of wanted to ask that. I mean, you see a lot of people producing video content, um, and maybe this speaks back towards this uh, thing with the kids and their iPhones or whatever. But um, you know, the long read I think really still has a place in terms of. Um, producing something that people might want to consume and you're definitely, you know, you're sitting down and actually taking the time to, to write about your experience and some of your, um, you know, your internal dialogues, so to speak, and that type of thing. It was, it was, it was a real pleasure to get on um, both sides of your experiences. And I, I guess I'm wondering kind of what, what drove you, you know, it's not enough to just have liked English. There's some pain involved in writing. <laughs> Uh, I know I just I really enjoy writing and sometimes it helps me kind of remember the experience a little better uh you know of course you don't capture everything with the video uh so that you know you capture a lot more with your memory so if I can write things down you know that's the whole reason I started my YouTube channel was selfishly for me to relive my experiences so by writing it back out I can really relive every 
little piece and part of it, every aspect of it. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's something that you'll be able to share with your, hopefully, grandchildren at some point in your life. Yeah, hopefully they'll they'll want to read that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a really good point. They may not care. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like exciting war stories for my grandpa, but... Yeah, that's funny. Well, um, one of the things that I noticed was, uh, you know, you're right at the cusp of popularity for a YouTube video or a YouTube channel, um, and that's kind of pervaded some of your social networking activities. Tell me a little bit about the experience that you've had trying to run a YouTube channel logistically and some of the challenges that you've had and stuff. I think you've been a little bit more transparent than other people because you're kind of right on the edge with the... YouTube with their games with, um, with funding and stuff. Yeah. You know, I, like I said, I started it selfishly really just for myself so I could relive that, that stuff. And I never really planned to make any of the stuff public for, you know, make it for consumption. And then I realized every video I was uploading was, was public. I didn't make them private and people started, were watching them. So then I was like, well, maybe I could, you know, help other people and, kind of give back, you know, back when I started doing this 10 years ago, there really weren't that many outdoor channels like there are today. Uh, the very first YouTube outdoor channel that I watched was called camping gear TV. And it was two guys in a basement and they're not around anymore, but all they did was review gear, talk about hiking. Tra- I don't think they ever actually went on any trips. <laughs> it sounds awful. Yeah. And they, but it was the only outdoor channel I could find. And I loved it because it was, it wasn't like, you know, watching the Discovery Channel, these staged survival shows. It was like real people talking about the outdoors. So that's kind of what spurred me to to do it. I was like, I'm going to film my own hiking. And then I, you know, this is what I would want to watch. It, not necessarily myself, but, <laughs> it, you know, this is the kind of stuff I would want to see. A real person, not staging anything, show my fails, my successes, you know, all that stuff. And I, I, try to show, I don't, you know, I'll try to like snow people with it. I try to show them, Hey, that fire did not start or whatever. <laughs> I fell out of my hammock or whatever. Um, sometimes I edit that stuff out, but, uh, you know, it's, it's what I, and that, you know, so now there's, there's so many great channels to choose from, which is just awesome. The community's really exploded. Yeah. It's great being able to, I mean, you could spend heck, you could spend hours every night just watching, you know, either gear reviews, trip reports, everything. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's hours and hours of content out there. Some of yeah. it's amazing. Some of it's, eh, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's, if I had my way, all I would do is trip report type videos, adventures. And I could, there's nobody telling me I have to do it a certain way, but kind of seems that you have to do the, re- the gear review type stuff as well. Cause that's kind of what gets you your subs. Um, okay. And what that? what's subs subscribers. Sorry. Oh, okay. Thank you. And um, so really all the guys that I talk to that, that do the same kind of channels, we all hate doing the gear reviews, but it's kind of the bread and butter, uh, you know, and that's what kind of gets you your exposure and gets, you know, cause people search on certain, you know, so if I do a review on a dream, dream hammock, uh, hammock, and people search on that term. And, you know, of course you're using the Google search engine. So that's usually how they find your channel. And if they find it interesting, you know, it's, it's kind of that first impression thing. If they find you interesting, they'll, uh, they'll subscribe. But, uh, mm. uh, man, you know, a lot of my, my, my early videos 
were just awful. And they're still out there. Please don't go see them. But <laughs> some of my gear reviews and stuff were just, oh, they're so bad. And and people, you know, YouTube is brutal because people will, will tell you exactly what they think. And they'll be like, you stink. <laughs> it, I, I really took it to heart for a long time. I was like, man, people just hate me. It's just, it's, you know, and I was really, I, I've gone through some highs and lows, some really discouraging points where I almost quit. Um, especially when YouTube did, they did this whole thing where they demonetized small channels. I don't know if you guys heard about that or not. We don't have as much exposure to that. So I remember seeing some of the comments that you made in your own social. They basically, any channel that had less than a thousand subscribers and you had to have so many hours of viewed content, like 4,000 hours of actual content viewed, uh, or they cut off all your ads. So you got no, you know, not that I get much money from that anyway. But they cut all that off. So the 50 cents I was making a month, you know, I was, you know, and that was kind of almost the last straw where I was just like, I'm done with this. I don't want to. And, and then I, uh, I decided to stick with it and I started meeting other people in the community. And that's what has really spurred me to just keep going and making better content. Hmm. Now, actually, I saw... And actually, I saw on, uh, uh, I don't know if it was on the forums or not, you went to the Ohio meetup in the fall. And does it seem like that's a common issue that a lot of people are having with just all the logistics of YouTube and everything? Um, Yeah, it's, you know, just being in Ohio, I found that there was a lot of other outdoor Ohio YouTubers. And we all started talking to each other and collaborating and you know, I forget whose idea it was, but they kind of said, let's, why don't we do a beat up? Cause we're all so close to each other and we'll invite all our subscribers. And so we did. And then we ended up having some other larger YouTube's uh, personalities show up. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who uh, frozen from outdoor adventures is. He's a yep. pretty big hammock guy. He showed up for that beat up and uh, he's a great guy, by the way. And, um, uh, yeah, so us, you know, all of us Ohio YouTubers, we actually have a, a Google chat, a Google Hangout chat that about 10 or 11 of us just, we talk almost every day, <laughs> just us YouTuber guys. And we, it's all, it's not always about backpacking stuff, but a lot of it is. And it's, it's a lot of fun. If we just become really close just because of our channels and our common interests. Wow, that's great. That's great. So now you were saying earlier with the, boys you usually doing car camping and then out on your own or with friends backpacking and backcountry camping how do you decide on what you're doing you know if you want to get out okay i gotta take the boys this weekend and go car do you try and alternate or um or is it just whatever the calendar and what cozy tells you you can do (laughs) yeah it's, it's usually whatever uh time time allowances or constraints that i have uh, you know, and usually I try to plan it around, maybe the wife is going to take the boys to, um, I don't know, to her sisters or something, which is, they live elsewhere in Ohio. So then I'll be like, okay, well I can get out that weekend and I'm going to go try to hit it hard and do, you know, 30 miles that weekend or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I push myself pretty hard when I, when I, when it's just me, but if it's just, if it's me and the boys or me and the family, we just, I'll t- we'll take it really easy. And, you know, that's, what's great about car camping. You can bring all the amenities, literally the kitchen sink, you know, and 
you know, we usually we, we actually do uh, a tent uh, just for the wife and the kids sake. Cause she likes the privacy of the tent and things like that. So, um, but I'll usually bring a couple hammocks to hang uh, for hanging around the camp. So. Yeah. I'm sure the boys like to swing in the hammocks and lie in that and play their yeah. video games. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they wanted to, to sleep overnight in them. And my wife is, is you know, she just has a little trepidation about that. I don't, I'm not sure what she's scared of, but she doesn't want to leave them in a hammock alone at night yet. So. Yeah, it's fun. It's funny. Like, and I think that's the trepidation with a lot of people with that almost want to get into hammocks, but are stuck in tents where, you know, it's just this little bit of nylon that's from you from the outside. There's not much different between a hammock and a tarp on top of you and maybe a few inches of open space from the bottom of the tarp to the ground. I mean, it's not like in a house and being outdoors right it's uh, people think a, a tent is so much safer to be in it's just you can't see what's coming to get you <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe that's better maybe it's yes. better ignorance is bliss <laughs> <laughs> and so if you had your choice what what do you prefer i definitely prefer going out and doing the backcountry trips not that i don't like hanging out with the family but uh it just you know it's it's a little bit easier for me when I'm just out there solo or with a friend or two, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, and I have a few friends who are really into backpacking as well. So, you know, they generally want to do the same kind of trips that I want to do. Like, let's see how many miles we can do and we'll go till it's dark and then we'll throw up our hammocks, you know, and it's just, that's the kind of stuff we like to do. Now, if you're going on, you know, one trip or the other, do you, plan much differently like you know when okay i'm i'm going by myself i'm going to leave at three in the morning get the trailhead by eight or this or that and then with the boys or your boys and your wife you know i'm going to leave at noon and you know get there in the late afternoon or do you plan much differently yeah and and, you know with the family it's usually like okay let's just go after work and school and we'll go somewhere and, and you know set up because we just throw everything in the car and go and mm-hmm. if I'm, if I'm doing a, a backpack, a real legit backpacking trip, I will plan it out days in advance. I usually have my pack packed two days before I leave. And, uh, you know, that way I, I'm set to go. And I usually I like to try to find new places to go every time I go somewhere, mm-hmm. even if it's in the same park or, or area or whatever. But, uh, so I'm usually try make sure I know the maps and I know where I'm going. And, um, if I get yeah. lost, I don't die. We're we're like that too. Now, do you get more opportunities to to do backcountry camping in the winter or the summer? What's your preference? Uh, I still prefer the summer. I'm a warm weather kind of guy, uh, but I have started doing more winter trips in the past couple of years, and it's a completely different experience. And it has its pros and cons as well. Uh, no bugs. I, I love I love not having any bugs. I hate no, bugs. No, I hate walking through spider webs. Um, <laughs> uh, setting up, you know, you can set up pretty much anywhere. You don't have to worry about ticks getting on you or anything. That's really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, cause <laughs> I, I did a trip this past summer and the, it was the middle of summer and I went to red river gorge and my videos out there and, uh, I, I'm putting up the strap on a tree. And as I'm putting up the strap around the tree, there's this spider. I, I promise you it was four inches around. 
it, it was the biggest spider I've ever seen in my life. And it, I jumped and I was like, this is the tree that I have to put this hammock on. And this spider is here. And it, I, I had nightmares all night that this thing was going to crawl into the hammock. Uh, that's awful. They're big when they greet you. <laughs> oh man yeah and but you know i i to keep the ticks and everything away i try to permethrin everything now I, I spray my hammock my tarp all that stuff and just pretty much soak it and yeah yeah once a year we do uh we do a bucket soak for with the uh boy scouts that do uh backcountry camping as well and that stuff is great yep. <laughs> it's fantastic and then, uh, and you said you're you're more of a warm weather camper, um, but then the disadvantage there obviously is not only the bugs but the oppressive heat sometimes. Yeah, you know, I I tend to sleep cold any time of the year. So even mm. in the, if it's seventy degrees out, I'm like, oh, this is pretty comfortable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then if it's twenty five degrees, I've got to wear five layers to sleep to sleep in. Uh, yeah, have, yeah, but. Uh, I've, you know, I've, I've slept down outside in the hammock till about, I think it was seven degrees Fahrenheit. So, and I had a pretty good night that night. So that's about as cold as I've been. Yeah. That's pretty, nope. that's, that's pretty good. That's, that's definitely yeah. nothing to not shake a stick at. Nothing like Shug, minus 40. I, I don't know how anyone does that, but that does not sound fun to me at all. Yeah. <laughs> that's when you go to bed at four o'clock in the afternoon and sleep till nine because you don't want to get out of your hammock. Right. That's when you bring Dutch's pee bag with you. Uh-huh. Yes. Or a PVC <laughs> tube. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's no way I'm getting out of that thing. Uh, nope. Uh, <laughs> so when you, with all your trip reports and everything, do you try and incorporate your channel as a teaching method? Teach, you know, a way to teach other people and people that are watching your videos, uh, you know, to educate them on the, into hammocks and the outdoors as well. I do, you know, I, but I, I try to always stress that I am not an expert and, you know, take my advice with a grain of salt, but here's the things that I've learned by trial and error and from other people that do know what they're doing. So, you know, I've learned uh, the hard way, uh, you know, how to avoid ruining a piece of gear or, or whatever. Um, so I've, I've, I try to, uh, you know, present, uh, some good tips and tricks that I've learned and, you know, try to make things educational for my viewers. And then, uh, what are some of the, uh, the important things that you've, that you've learned either from other people or just from, like you said, trial and error? Oh, definitely ways to, uh, especially when it comes to hammock camping, as far as, um, how to set up the straps, how to get a proper hang. You know, when I was first started doing it, I was doing it completely wrong because I didn't know any better. I didn't know mm-hmm. anything about the 30 degree angle or anything like that. And, or was it 45 degree angle? The angle 30 degree. 30 yep. degree. Yeah, I was right. Okay. Um, and you know, so I, as I started using Dutch hardware and things like that, then I, you know, there's, there's small tips and tricks that people show you on their channels that you don't think about like using the Dutch, um, the Dutch clips and making sure that they're aligned the right way that you're not putting too much stress on the, on the clip and things like that. And, uh, things I wouldn't think about, you know, but, uh, I try to share those kind of things like, Hey, this is a really good tip and you might want to try this. So you don't ruin your gear because it's gear is expensive. 
And I hate to see somebody, you know, mess up based on something that I told them. (laughs) (laughs) Now, on the message boards and even Facebook and a lot of the social media, there seems to be a big trend on ultralight gear and they're almost, uh, you know, some people almost shaming folks that have heavier and maybe more, you know, more traditional gear. That's not the super lightweight and everything. Do you try and address that in your content? Yeah, I, you know, I really dislike that a lot. I don't know how much you guys are on Instagram if you are at all, but there's a particular account on there that um, people will probably know. Listeners will probably know what I'm talking about, but they're, you know, focus is ultralight hiking and they seem to really shame anybody who's got, you know, a 10 pound or more pack weight. Uh, and I, I think, you know, it's probably like 99% joking and 1% serious, but there is like that 1% seriousness about it to it. It's kind of like this, um, I don't know, elitist attitude. There's some kind of connotation that hammock camping is, only for bushcrafters and ultralighters would never carry hammocks. And I don't understand that at all because my hammock setup is about two and a half pounds, I think. Uh, so <laughs> not only that, but I don't see the relationship between hammock camping and book bushcrafting. I'm not sure I even see that relationship. That's weird. No, but the, the, I've seen some memes about that. And, you know, my feeling is never shame anybody for their gear. You know, it's about the experience and, we do this. I do this because I love the outside and I want to be out there longer. You know, I'm 44 years old. So that's part of the reason why I enjoy hammock camping because I don't want to lay on the ground anymore. And I am trying to embrace more lightweight um, equipment because I can go farther lighter, but I would never tell somebody they were stupid because they had a heavy pack. I, I might try to help them and say, you know, here's some things you can do to reduce that. But you know, Ultralight gear is insane. And when you start looking at Dyneema stuff, the Cuban fiber tarps and things, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Well, not only that, but you've got this sacrifice where the lightweight stuff may either be less comfortable or less fun. (laughs) Right. And um, I don't know if you guys know who Andrew Skirka is. Yep. But yeah, he's kind of an ultralight advocate. Um, And he he talks about different, um, you know, people who, going stupid light, which is you're taking just not even enough to be comfortable or safe. And I never understood the people who are like, I'm not even going to take a knife with me because that's extra grams. And why, why not have that, at least that piece of equipment that might save your life? Um, you know, and it becomes, you know, and, and Skirka talks also about, you know, there's different types of people who there's those who camp to hike or there's those that hike to camp, <laughs> which is kind of funny to me. I, I always used to be the, the guy who hiked to camp. You know, it's like I carry all this stuff in just because I wanted to camp, but I enjoy the hiking aspect a lot more now. And so I've kind of switched on that. Hmm. But, you know, I, like I said, I would never want to shame anybody for their, the gear they're using. Uh, um, I, I want to encourage everybody to get outside be active. It's about being healthy, enjoying the outdoors, seeing new places, things, things you can't see sitting on a couch. Yeah. Well, speaking of gear shaming, we should probably talk about what you have. <laughs> <laughs> we'll um, make fun of you instead. 
Um, oh, feel free. Go ahead. <laughs> what do you What do you got in your bag? What are you uh, What are you sleeping in right now in terms of a hammock system? Well, uh, last year I just upgraded to a, a Dream Hammock Raven. Mm, very my, nice for my Hennessy. I, I looked at. Um, well, I was looking at Chameleons um, from Dutch first, and then I decided to go with the Dream Hammock. Uh, they're both equally amazing. Um, but I went with the dream hammock because they're in my, my home state here of Ohio. Oh, and yeah. I've actually, um, I've actually met Randy and Deanna and I've gone up to their shop and I've seen their, their whole production facility. They're amazing people. Absolutely fantastic. And, um, their gear is just top notch. So I ended up getting the Raven because, uh, I found that sleeping asymmetrically in one position, I wasn't real happy with that because I flip flop around a lot. I switch positions. Mm. So I wanted a symmetrical hammock that I could lay in in any, pretty much any type of, of lay. So that's why I went with the, the rave and I can pretty much, you know, set it however I want. And what are you doing for uh, suspension there? Suspension. I have, uh, some Dutch straps and I have the uh, beetle buckles for the titanium beetle. Buckles. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I wasn't sure if I would like them because I got them with the Kickstarter. Um, I'd been doing whoopee slings for a long time and uh, I just keep going back to the beetle buckles because they're just so convenient. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really easy to use. And uh, it's, I, I like being able to set it up and tweak it as, as fast as possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. really, that's my thing. I'm, I'm lazy and I want to get it hooked up as quick as I can. Yeah, it's, uh, it's that fiddle factor, right? You want to get rid of that? Yeah. Even I enjoy it sometimes, but when it's, you know, thunderstorms bearing down on me, I want to get it uh, thrown up as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then for a tarp, I actually just got a Warbonnet uh, Mountain Fly tarp, the one with doors. And uh, that's going to be my new tarp going forward. For privacy or just for extra coverage or? Well, I was using the Hennessy Hex tarp, which was 10 by 12. And it's a super heavy tarp, but it's open on the ends. And this past summer, every time I went out, it seemed like it rained and stormed on me. Mm -hmm. And um, I went down to Grayson Highlands and we were caught under a tropical storm down there. And it literally blew rain under the beaks of the tarp got all of my both ends of my hammock wet all my gear was wet under the hammock it was awful so i decided at that point to get a a tarp with doors uh so it's and it's super light it's only 15 ounces it's 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 a very light and uh it's a it seems like a great tarp i haven't taken it out yet but Mm -hmm. so far it's nice makes sense and uh what are you cooking with uh Cook said I've got a, I use a Tokes, uh, 650 milliliter pot. And I use, uh, usually use my, uh, MSR pocket rocket too. Oh, okay. With the stove. canisters. Yeah. I'm a canister guy. I, I tried the alcohol stove thing. Uh, didn't really enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just cause I'm so bad at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keeping them lit. I can't seem to get, get them to stay lit or it's a pain in the butt to get it lit in the winter. I'll say that, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always freaked out about running out of fuel, like when I'm on the trail, you know. Yeah, that was the other thing too. I the last time I went, I, I spilled some of my alcohol in my pot, and I don't think I dumped it out, and I ended up like drinking out of that pot with the <laughs> alcohol in. I don't know how I didn't die. 
<laughs> I was like, that was really stupid. <laughs> uh. So yeah, so I, I I'm just like, it's so much easier at the canister. It's a little bit more weight, but uh, it just it works. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, if it works for you, then it's perfect. As long as I don't light myself on fire, I'm not. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I still got the whisper light um, for the winter, and that's great. Um, I have a buddy who had a whisper light on the AT and the PCT. I mean, it's just a rock, rock solid piece of equipment, and yeah. he would tell stories about how he would w- walk into a trail town, and the first thing he would do is, as he would be going by a gas station and he would actually dump the three or four dribbles from each of the different gasoline uh, (laughs) heads into his fuel bottle. Oh yeah. (laughs) And that would usually get him a couple of days worth of fuel just by taking that excess fuel that people weren't dumping into their cars and putting that into his uh, stove. Oh, that's kind of (laughs) smart. He was kind of (laughs) poor. He was definitely (laughs) dirtbagging it. (laughs) That's funny. Do what you got to do. Yeah. Yep. Uh, any things that you take out that you don't need to, but you just like to have them? Uh, you know, I've thrown a lot of stuff out that I don't need in the past year or so. Now I did, <laughs> I did just get for Christmas, actually, uh, one of those Helinox zero. Chairs. Oh yeah. And people <laughs> are like, why would you get a, a chair when you've got a hammock? You just use that as the chair. But my, my rebuttal on that is I always set my hammock about a hundred yards away from like the campfire ring. If I want to have a fire, I'm not going to burn a hole in my $300 setup. Mm-hmm. I'd like to have a chair so I don't have to sit on the log. Um, it's just, you know, it's a pound. It's, it's, it's a luxury item, but I'm going to take it backpacking with me because at least I'd be able to sit by the fire and, and my chair, <laughs> and, you know, it's totally unnecessary, but yeah. Well, also, you don't have to stink up your, your blankets and stuff. Yes. With the campfire smoke. Right. Yep. No, I'm the same way with that. I carry a similar chair. And you know, unless it's to a campsite where if we're going to be by a lean-to or something or a shelter, then I, that I know that there's usually a picnic table, then I'll, I'll leave it at home. But besides that, for the same, same reason, I'm usually you know, 100 yards or so away from the common area i guess you could call it yeah i'm very paranoid about my gear getting messed up i'm always afraid that some stray ember is going to burn a hole in something and <laughs> i've had it happen yeah I've, i ruined a really nice down jacket that i had from eddie bauer it burned holes in it and so i'm just like oh expensive. Yeah, a shame. Yeah. yeah you should talk to my uh my son and mark's son about burning <laughs> holes into <laughs> yeah, Spagiver had to make public that public for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> My wife always makes fun of me. She's like, "It's because you're an only child and you're so protective of your stuff." And I'm like, I, "Maybe so. Maybe I guess it is." But I don't like ruining my gear. <laughs> Actually, if you're an only child, I think it would be the opposite. If you've got siblings, that's why you want to protect your stuff from them. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. It's a but. I, I never had to share with anybody, so <laughs> that makes sense. So, yep. <laughs> so, with the with the channel and you know the the blog posts and the and the Facebook page and all, you tend to build a lot of relationship with viewers and with other vloggers and all. How does how does 
how do you try and give back to the camping community and all with what you're putting out? Well, I, I really try to, you know, if, if somebody asks me questions or comments on my stuff, I try to get back with them really quickly and help them as much as I can. A lot of people have really helped me. Um, a, a lot of other YouTubers have, have sent me stuff, you know, or and sent me books and maps and things. And it's just the community is fantastic. And so I just love being a part of the community and being able to, you know, help however I can. And no, how, no matter how small it is, you know, uh, I just got a bunch of stickers for the channel. So I've been sending those out to people like, I don't know if you want one or not, but here's some stickers from, you know, from my channel, things like that, you know, just to kind of promote some goodwill. Hmm. That's cool. And then, uh, do you, now are you involved in more than just the hammocking? How about any of the backpacking channels or anything or? Or is it more uh, just the hammock channels? Uh, no, but backpacking as well. I, and I follow a lot of just uh, different hiking area, parks and things like that, different pages for those kind of things. Like Red River Gorge is one, uh, and then some places here in Ohio, uh, mm -hmm. Shawnee State Forest and things like that. So I, I keep a tabs a lot on just the uh, the, the natural areas uh, there's a big problem right now down in, in the Red River Gorge in Kentucky of uh, vandalism. And so I've been trying to, I try to address that, especially when I do a, a trip vid down there because I see it firsthand, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people are just going down there and just completely wrecking the place. They're cutting down live trees, spray painting everything, you know, million year old rock formations. They, they spray paint their names all over. It. And I'm just like, what are uh -oh. you thinking? What are you doing? And so I do try to address that stuff, especially when I see it in my videos. I'll be like, leave no trace people. <laughs> <You know>, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not that hard. Yeah. Now, do you, if you're anybody that reads the message boards and all, or, you know, even the hammock Facebook pages and stuff, the, the hammockers, I guess that's what you would call us. We see, I mean, everybody seems to be very helpful. I mean, especially even when like you see, there's a group hang coming up. It's, you know, Hey, I've got, I don't have this or I want to try that. Somebody else always chimes in. Hey, you, I've got an extra one of this and you can borrow it for the weekend. Everybody's, I mean, everybody becomes friends really fast and all. Do you find in like the other backpacking forums and stuff, does it seem to be the same way or is, or is it just us hammockers? Uh, so somewhat. I, I think the backpacking community, or I'm sorry, the hammocking community is, a lot more generous in that regard, but generally backpackers, you know, all, all of the YouTuber people that I hang out with, um, we're not all hammock campers. Some of the guys are tent campers and they're very helpful. You know, they're, Hey, you need this piece of gear. I, I can loan you that or whatever. Um, probably the place where I don't see it as much is, is in the ultralight area. Because <laughs> <laughs> they got nothing to share. They, they, don't, they don't have it to share with you. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. Like I'd give you that if I actually carried one. <laughs> that's funny. Well, um, one of the things that we always like to do uh, in our conversations in terms of questions that we ask is kind of become a trend, but I, I like to ask our guests, um, like if, if there was one thing that you could, I guess, teach the world or share with the world, what would that be? Oh, Besides, you, you can do the leave no trace if you want, certainly, but, um, you know, if there's one thing. Yeah, I didn't prepare for this question. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, 
I think the leave no trace is a, is a good one. And I, it's, it's cliche, but you know, every time I go out somewhere and I see it destroyed, uh, you know, these places just keep getting smaller and smaller. And it seems like as each generation goes by, it's, there's less and less of a respect for it. And, you know, it's, we have to protect it because especially the places that I'm seeing where I, where I go, like, down to Kentucky where, you know, most of it is unofficial trails and they're having to close all these trails off to people and places that are gorgeous. Um, one of my favorite places that I ever camped down in Red River Gorge was on top of a cliff that you had to hike out to. And I had, you know, you had like a 180 degree view of the gorge. Um, they're having to close those type of places off because people are just trashing it. And I would hate to see them have to close, close off all the, the camping areas or say, worse yet, say no more dispersed camping. Cause that's what we have that problem here in Ohio. Um, there's really no places, maybe one or two places where you can disperse camp. Every place else you have to camp in a designated spot when even on the backpacking trail. So you go to uh, the, the camp area and there's 200 people there because there's no place else to camp and it's just wrecked. There's no firewood. There's no, there's no grass. It's all just dirt. Um, I would hate to see that happen in some of these other wild places that I go. Mm. So as we start to tie everything together and finish up here, we usually like to finish up with a little, little round table discussion. Um, something where I throw something out there and we all, give our answer or point of view or ideas. And uh, we want to go with what turns you into a hammock camping advocate. And I'm not talking about, Oh, I just want to, you know, I'm a hammock camper. Now Uh, I gave up sleeping on the ground and I'm sleeping in the trees now, but to promote hammock camping and teach and educate others for it. Uh, Jonathan, we'll start with you. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I've always liked to be an educator and I've always liked to kind of share um, my own experiences. Um, But I think for me, what it was, was, uh, you know, the realization that, um, that in some ways it it is a superior, I, 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 it sounds obnoxious when I say it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Sounded much Um, better in my head. (laughs) I know. Right. But you know, the, the value, especially to people who like, um, can't sleep on the ground anymore. Um, you know, the people who are frustrated with, uh, tenting because of some of the negative experiences they might have, um, being able to share with people the, the, the knowledge about an alternative that they might not have considered before. Um, it means a lot, I think to me to be able to share that with my friends. It's kind of like when you tell your friends about, a you know, a really awesome fishing place, you're not doing it for selfish reasons, you're doing it because you want to take care of that person. Um, and I think it's the same thing with hammock camping. I, you know, I've become an advocate because it's been such a good experience for me. I, I, I want to share that, that possibility for other people. Hmm. And then how about you, Lance? Yeah. I, well, I was just going to say, I completely agree with that. It's, it's becomes for me, it's something I've become really passionate about because like I said, I'm 44 years old and I don't like the idea of sleeping on the ground. So I can't say every experience I've had every night I've had in a hammock was perfect by any means. I've learned some, some tough lessons, but 
it's much more enjoyable for me to be able to um, get a really great night's sleep and wake up and not, you know, after hiking 15 miles in a day and then get in that and sleep great and then get up and ready to hike another 20 miles the next day. Um, it's just, I want to share that passion with people and that's what I've tried to do. And um, like you said, you know, you, you want to see the people you care about, especially uh, try something out that, that you've enjoyed. Yeah. Hmm. Mark, what about you? Mine's almost a little bit of a selfish reason in the in, in sense that you know i get like even for for an example i was visiting a job site the this week and i was meeting with my foreman and we were talking about tomorrow night we're supposed to have our company christmas party that i'm not going to because we're going down to allegheny and he's like oh it's going to be cold you're going to be camping i'm like yeah so i'll be prepared for it and he's like oh, you, you have your sleeping in your tent or a cabin. I'm like, no, neither my hammock. He's, his eyes lit up. He's like your hammock. <laughs> I mean, how do you stay warm or how do you do this? And I take out my phone and I had pictures from other trips and stuff. Like, here's my setup. So you've got your underquilt, you keep in here and, you know, educating other people and, you know, hammock camping is becoming more and more popular, but it's still way in the minority, especially in the public that doesn't really do outdoors or they may go to Allegheny, but stay in the cabin for the week and say, yeah, I'm going camping in Allegheny for, you know, just for a local example and uh, just educating people and just, and there's a whole, I, I don't know. I've been hammock camping for a few years now and I still think that there's a little bit of a wow factor to it in the sense that, you know, growing up, I, you know, like, like you Lance, I'm 44 years old as well. And, you know, I, Grew up in a tent. I still have my Eureka tent that I used when I was in Boy Scouts many moons ago. And, uh, you know, every time I set up my hammock, I'm like, you know, this is, this is really cool. If it rains, the water goes underneath me, not through me. And, you know, just the comfort and the, I tend to sleep a lot warmer in my hammock than I did when I was tent camping. And it's just the pure enjoyment and, you know, just trying to share my, experiences outside with other people. Yeah. I, I've definitely had a lot more comfortable nights in a hammock than I ever did in a tent. Like I remember so many times laying on a, you know, an inflatable mat and having that thing completely deflate in the middle of the night and I wake up and I've got a root in my back and I'm like, Oh, Oh, yep. it's horrible. And I don't ha- get that with hammock camping. It's, it's great. Yeah. And half the time when you're in the, t- tent and you know you could have a completely soft ground and the one rock or one root that's within like you know a hundred hundred yards from you is underneath your shoulder <laughs> yes every time <laughs> yeah but i think you guys brought up a great point too about educating others um because as you know as advocates of it we want to teach people the right way to do it so that, you know, there's a lot of people out there now that are doing hammock, the hammock thing and they're doing it wrong. And I don't want to see it become a thing where it's, they're using ropes on trees. So it's banned in this park and now it's banned here and banned there. And I want it to be accepted and embraced and uh, done right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that we can see an increase in the amount of uh, people doing it. It's just good for everybody. Yeah. 
Well, Lance, um, this has been a really great experience. I hope uh, our listeners who are not familiar with you have a chance to go and uh, see some of your content and share some of the experiences that you've uh, you've shared out on the web. Um, I will put a link to uh, the Outland channel in the show notes so that people can click to it right from their podcatcher. Um, but I know Mark and I, I probably shouldn't speak for Mark. Mike, Mark might be... Uh, feeling differently, but I know I'm personally very grateful that you took some time, share some of your thoughts and come on our show and talk with us a little bit. Well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. This has been great. Yeah, it's been a great time. Thanks for your time. So Jonathan, I was thinking actually, you know, as I was packing for our little outing this weekend, going down to mm-hmm. Allegheny National Forest a couple days before Christmas. And I was you know trying to figure out, you know, you're going for the weekend. I'm actually only I'm leaving work early tomorrow and going just a quick overnight and I'm leaving Saturday mid-morning. And I started coming to think, what keeps us from getting out more often? I mean, I'm mm. out there, I'm watching YouTube videos of different, you know, living vicariously for different people. And I'm lucky to get out once a month. So, I mean, really, what's, what is it that keeps us from getting out there? You know, is it time? Is it the kids? Is it, you know, money or kids or, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of different things. Oh, sure. It's a tough, that's a tough question. I mean, at the, at the end of the day for, I know at least for me, it's responsibility, right? Which is. Um, the awful result of growing up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it's not necessary. It's, I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm not resentful, but you know, I have commitments to other people. You know, I have commitments to my wife to spend time with her when I'm not working. Mm -hmm. Um, I have just like you, I have kids involved in, uh, um, both sports and scouts and, um, and you know, I remember telling you how stupid it was to be having a kid in a travel league. <laughs> yes. And now I have a kid in a travel league and you would not, re- you would, you would not be amazed at how much time <laughs> you can spend driving around upstate New York. Oh yeah. Yep. It gets, I mean, it's, it's not with the nuts with the kids nowadays with, you know, I think it was always like that, but maybe, you know, sports for kids have become even more intense. I know mm-hmm. my son, you know, my son, he's 16. He's in a few, few different hockey, uh, hockey, few different soccer teams. Um, we're starting to talk with, you know, they're, they're having seminars on recruiting for colleges and he's got, college showcases coming up this spring where we're going to be in Boston. We're going to be in Columbus, Ohio, and we're going to be all over the Northeast for uh, just for soccer games. And then my wow. daughter with cheer and, you know, there she was already in Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago and she's going to be in Columbus. She's going to be in Chicago and who knows where else, but you know, that's, and then practices three, four times a week and, and then scouts on top of that. So, yeah, it's it's amazing we have time even to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know part of it is camping oftentimes comes last because it feels like the most selfish activity that I can choose, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and having a son in Scouts has given me at least some freedom to excuse myself from that that uh, trap of looking like I'm being selfish because, you know, I can always say I'm going camping with Christopher. 
Yeah, and especially with what we're doing with the Venture Patrol, having, you know, taking the older boys out on some actual backpacking trips and other activities that, you know, where mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but, you know, I do I do enjoy going on the campouts and everything. You know, usually, oh, sure. especially since we're you know, in the winter, they may be in the cabin and we're outside and a couple of the older boys are outside sleeping outside instead of inside the cabin but i'm not one to just sit around and babysit i'd oh, rather sure. be active doing stuff with them and that's why i really appreciate the venture patrol where we're going and we're doing stuff that the younger kids can't do and we're not really babysitting we're just along for the ride yeah and the boys are are uh leading themselves yeah they're taking care of everything and all so you know mm-hmm. it's pretty much worrying about ourselves which is basically what we'd be doing if i was going out with you know just a group of us anyway so two birds one stone yeah the other thing i was thinking about though too was and and this is more of an ethical conundrum (laughs) ethical conundrum is um you know we go out into the woods to enjoy nature you know and we uh, advocate for leave no trace mm-hmm. and reducing our impact on the world. And sometimes I kind of feel bad that, you know, when we drive somewhere to go backpacking, we're producing uh, a bit of pollution. Mm-hmm. Like it's not actually that healthy for the environment for us to travel somewhere to go hiking. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I, I don't know if, I don't know where the balance point is for, you know, it being, reasonable versus unreasonable to spend that time out in the out in the woods but to to consume the fuel and produce the the uh you know however many tons of co2 that we produce when we travel mm-hmm. yeah but uh you know at the same time we're usually carpooling and you know if there's a big group of us where we're pretty it's not like everybody's driving at the same to the same point and everything so i mean it's mm-hmm. and then plus you get you get now i mean there's there's a lot of other act, free time activities that are hobbies that we could be doing that could be making a much bigger impact than what we are doing. So, oh sure, I, I get that. So, but and then but, how about any other ideas that you know keep us going out? You know, keep us from going out. Um, money, I know a lot of time comes up. Um, the big one is having somebody to go with. I mean, yeah. I guess I could go solo, but I'd rather not because it's boring. Yeah, it's. Um, so having a hiking buddy, I guess, is is one of the things. Yep, and yeah, there's a lot of people. Same thing with going solo. Is it you know they just bored, or some people don't want to just do a little few chores and then just hang out in their hammock for you know Mm -hmm. go to bed at you know lie down at five o'clock and maybe watch some movies on their phone or something and then sleep all night i personally i like you know i like keeping i like doing the chores and everything but i enjoy having somebody to just solve the world's problems around the uh, campfire (laughs) (laughs) yeah if only we could do it around a campfire that didn't stink so much of of campfire wood or of smoke yeah it is what it is (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i guess at the end of the day you know the two big things are get the get the time when you can you know like i I really i acknowledge you're you're coming out just for the night but you're getting out there 
And I, and no, and, and the other part is like, if, if the problem is how you feel with your wife, have a good line of communication. You know, we, we talked about it and I said, you know, what's reasonable, Mm -hmm. you know, and we worked out what's reasonable for us as a couple, you know, I'm, I'm uh, always impressed with couples that find that an Appalachian trail hike with kids at home is reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> that um, would be uh, that'd be especially younger kids. That that could that could be pretty tough. Yeah, and and good for that couple that can that can come to that conclusion. Um, you know, we figured out what works for us so far. And uh and of course, don't ever be afraid to not contribute to that um the marriage capital. <laughs> So that when you need to, you know, make your deposits so that you can make withdrawals. Yes. yes. All right. We're back again this month. I'm uh, Gresh here, as always, for this uh, unique little segment of Hang Your Own Hang podcast with Spagiver, Mark Orton. How are you this month, Mark? I'm doing pretty well. How was your Christmas? Man, I did probably better than I deserved to get. And I'm not going to lie. The thing I was most excited about was socks. <laughs> you know what? I got some socks too, and they were pretty awesome. So I hear you. I, I I realized that when I was five, socks was the worst thing I could get. But now that I'm over 35, it's all I want. Right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get uh, straight into it because this is kind of a heavy subject that we're looking at this month. Uh, coming from Natasha Tucker on Facebook. She uh, she mentions that in episode eleven, which was the uh, the women's episode, they touched on being afraid, and she herself has never been in a situation solo where she's felt threatened, but she also hikes with uh, what she says is a scary dog, um, and asks about whether or not there are statistics on women being assaulted while hiking, and it bears mention that you know. I am not a woman, and you are not a woman, so we don't have obviously no, that not uh, a woman that perspective that uh, that might come from that. And so, while trying to be uh, understanding of, of the position and the situation, um, you know, let's let's look at what we've got for this specific topic. Um, Mark, you you got anything that you think would uh, would bear mention on this? So, I, really, I think. For the most part, the same fears and concerns that women have, most men getting out there for the first time or or out there on the trail most of the time have the same types of fears. I don't think there's a lot out there that's distinctly female fears or female safety concerns that are different than the male safety concerns. I think if we're, we're really talking about safety uh, – both sides have the same types of concerns with one exception being, you know, the sexual assault thing. I, I know that that's, that's a touchy subject, but it's something that if, if we're talking about this probably is where it's headed. Um, I, I did a little bit of research into this and it, it, there hasn't been a lot studied on this. The, the best absolute best resource I found was in backpacker um, and an, an article from 2015 and in big bold letters, right, right there in the first little paragraph, it points out, and I'll, I'll read this as a direct quote, your risk of being a victim of violent crime, murder, sexual assault, or aggravated assault is thousands of times lower in the national park than in the country as a whole. And that goes for both men and women. Um, but the, the big 
important thing to take into consideration with this is that as of 2015, data on crime against female solo hikers is non-existent. It's not something that's tracked. Yeah, and you know, I reached out to the Appalachian Trail Conservancy just kind of to to get a feel for how many women are out there doing through hikes and are there there bigger issues out there um, than anywhere else. So, you know, someone could go out into a remote trail and, and not run into more than a handful of people, if that. But if you're doing one of these these popular trails, you're going to be seeing a lot of people. And so, you know, the percentage of women has gone up over the years from a low of like 10 to 15 percent in, in the 70s to now, uh, 2018 reported about a 32 and a half percent female through hiker attempt rate. So the number of women on the trail is going up. And so I, I was wondering, is that also, uh, have there been sexual assaults? Have there been, you know, other assaults on females that have gone up? And from what I could gather, there has not been. From what I've been able to, to put together, the numbers that I'm seeing, and, and again, this is all just a numbers game uh, for, for the purposes of, of just being informed. Um, the Appalachian Trail on an average year sees two and a half million visitors. Nine known murders have been committed on the Appalachian Trail since 1974. And that was four men, five women. So as as roughly equal as you can be with an odd number. That's out of 2.5 million visitors, nine murders is, I mean, I, mean, I, I hate to say low. inconsequential because, you know, murder is terrible. But again, just strictly numbers wise, it doesn't register. And 82% of sexual assaults are committed statistically by someone that the victim knows. And so your, your chances of being yeah. victimized or assaulted in a, a sexual manner while on the trail are significantly lower. Very true. And, and so, you know, I've gone through blog after blog, women's adventure pages, uh, just kind of looking to see, are there any stories out there? And I found one story that mentions a time when, when people were uh, sexually harassed, not no violence, no no actual contact, but harassed. Um, but I have not found anything, any any true evidence of anything that should scare someone away from the backcountry. Now, if we're talking about cities, uh, we should be all completely scared of going <laughs> yeah, into I'm, cities. I'm not a huge fan of cities, uh, just in, in general as a rule. Um, it um, one thing that I found on this is what's called a, a fear gender paradox. And I heard about this from Jennifer Wesley, who's a, a, a doctor, a, a PhD, a professor of criminology and criminal justice at the University of North Florida. And what she says is, and I quote, it's very natural for women to feel afraid because that's been ingrained in our minds from a very young age. Um, and she, she goes on to say from there that women are much more likely to be assaulted or raped by someone they know than by a strange man lurking behind a boulder, but people tend to fixate on the latter. The fear is what's holding women back, not the reality. And the important part here, the thing to take away right. and the thing to remember, you know, tattoo it on the inside of your eyelids. And this is exactly what she says, word for word. Women are not in more danger in wild spaces. And I think that that is absolutely the takeaway for this. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I've got an adventure journal up right here, and the woman that was writing it says, women are very capable of taking care of ourselves in the wilderness. So, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, if if a guy has skills and a girl has skills, what what's the difference? Well, there are certain things that you can do while you're out there to, I guess, take your safety into your own hands. Um, and you know, this is a good place to touch on those. And these are good for anybody, you know, women or men, uh, something you can do for yourself uh, along with the situational awareness is, is have gear. I know you don't really want to carry extra weight when you're on the trail, especially for something like a through hike. Um, but you know, runner's mace is just a small can, but that makes for a pretty good security blanket. If, even if you don't have to use it, just knowing that you have it will get you somewhere, um, a spot beacon, like some kind of a GPS tracker is going to, going to make you feel yeah, good. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, it's, it's kind of heavy sometimes. Some of them can, can weigh close to half a pound, but if it makes you feel better then maybe that can be, uh, you know, your, your comfort item or security item. Right. And if we, if we shift back to the, the AT and people doing through hikes out there, one of the things, you know, a female may start the trip solo or a male mar- may start the trip solo but along the way uh they tend to group into what they call tramilies which is groups of people that become almost family along the trail and i think that as you find those you become more and more safe and more secure because you've got a support system out there uh, and it's the same with with if you go out with a partner if you go out with a friend uh, as long as it's someone you trust you know you can use each other to increase your safety, increase your awareness, and just uh, feel safer out there. I think all of these are important things to consider, especially, you know, with uh, the AT having, or, or any tra- any any uh, trail really having more and more females getting out there and being active and, and being solo. Um, like I said earlier, it's, it's mostly a stigma, but even, even so, it's a consideration if it, is something that you worry about, you're not going to enjoy your experience as much. Well, and and so some of the things you could do on a trail like that that's that's going through populated areas is don't camp near road crossings. Don't camp near uh, public campground areas. That's so the one adventure journal that I was reading where someone had uh, a bad situation happen. They got off the trail to go to a campground that had modern conveniences that they wanted to take advantage of and that's where things got got out of control um but if you stick to the trail and you stay backcountry-ish you know the the shelters a lot of times are, are good but once you get to near trail crossings and road crossings that's where you know you kind of mix the two elements the backcountry and the the civilian <laughs> counterparts kind of uh mingle there and that's where i think the streams kind of get crossed i think the takeaway from that is you know avoid people like people are what do bad things so just you know be out there and and uh be safe while you're at it yeah i mean occasionally there will be a, a, a an animal that causes problems um but it's it's a whole lot more rare than than people causing problems in in city life Ultimately, I think it boils down to male, female, you know, whatever your pronoun is. You, you don't really have anything to worry about from other people 
out on the trail. It's it's mostly human error and animals that are going to get you, if anything. I would I would agree with that completely. I would, however, and and I'll I'll wrap this segment up with this because we've we've actually gone on a little bit longer than we usually do because it's such a heavy topic. Um, if anybody has anything that they'd like to say on this topic, please absolutely reach out to us. Um, you can reach out to the the regular hosts of the the main show. You can reach out to uh, Spagiver or myself. Um, and, and, you know, make yourself heard. And if we've said something wrong or something that doesn't exactly marry up with your, your expectations or your experiences, then definitely let us know. And, and we'll touch back on this subject another time and, and revisit it. Cause it's, it's important. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we are definitely not the experts in this situation at, at, by any means. And so if you've got experiences that, that contradict the things we've said, point them out call us out on them and uh, let's get the right information out there. In the meantime, for next month, if you have a question that you haven't heard us uh, discuss yet, which, you know, we've only been doing this for three episodes now. So there's millions of questions out there that we haven't touched on. Reach out to us with those. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you need to know or what would be helpful for others to know. And, you know, Mark and I will muddle our way through it and, and try not to ruin anybody's experience with bad advice. There you go. <laughs> In the meantime, by the time this airs, uh, it'll be 2019. So I, I hope that everybody has a fantastic new year and, and wrapped up 2018 pretty great. And I know everybody else does. Uh, Mark, you want to get some, some good wishes and festivities out there? Yeah. So Merry Christmas. I know it's past Christmas, but Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. And I hope everything you guys wished for came true. All right, Mark, the uh, uh, planning that we've been doing for next month's uh, podcast has been really interesting. We're going to be doing a little episode with uh, um, the host and co-host from a podcast called Inside the Outside. They're actually another set of podcasters who are also hammock campers, and they have their own podcast about um more general topics like uh camping and hammock camping so i'm actually really looking forward to this one yeah it should be good i listen to their listen to their stuff on itunes and uh some good stuff yeah in fact if our listeners wanted to go and check out some of their uh episodes ahead of time um i think they're also releasing on a weekly schedule and they've got a bunch of little uh episodes they're kind of a little bit more how-to driven mm-hmm. um our intro to uh, to camping and intro to backpacking driven. And uh, I'm sure our listeners would love to get familiar with their voices before they hear us all together. Yeah. Okay, Jonathan, we have some comments from our listeners this month. And to start it off, we have Jet J of Walhalla Hammocks uh, posted on iTunes Loving it. I'm kicking myself for not listening sooner and was really shocked to hear my name mentioned in one of your podcasts, episode 38. Keep up the awesome job. Well, yeah, we, we, we should ask our listeners to go and kick all of their friends for not listening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, second comment here we have on Facebook, Dave Alford commented on episode 39. Yay, I'm excited. I'm going to wait till I'm at work tomorrow so I can put on my headphones, 
put my headphones in and cruise through work. Thank you guys for doing an awesome job with each episode. I always look forward to seeing who is your guest and always enjoy them. Keep up the good work and HYOH. Oh, that's really cool. Yep. We uh, are contributing to the delinquency of workers everywhere. Yep. Yep. When they're not <laughs> doing their final four brackets in uh, March and uh, listening to our podcast the rest of the year. That's <laughs> <laughs> reasonable then. Production at its finest. Thanks to all of our donors that we've had in the past. A special thanks to Brian Stockton Photography, Natasha Tucker, and Carla Eisler. Yeah, that's Carla with a K. Yes. Who we'll uh, actually remember won our um, contest for our competition uh, two, a month ago, a couple months ago. So, you know, thanks to all of our donors uh, who've donated in the past and to our new donors as well for buying us a cup of coffee. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash HYOH podcast. Or if you're a uh, cottage vendor, uh, feel free to reach out to us. This is a great place to promote a new product that you're working on or, or a product that you're about to release. And that's the show for this month. As always, you can find us at www.hyohpodcast.com or on our Facebook page at HYOH Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a positive review on iTunes. Or even better, you can buy us a cup of coffee by, by going directly to hyohpodcast.com slash donate and making a one-time donation. Don't forget to tell your friends about us and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or whatever podcatcher you decide to use. As always, if you want to comment or have a question, please visit our Facebook page or you can send me an email at mark at hyohpodcast.com and me at jonathan at hyohpodcast.com. Finally, special thanks to Skid Von Ark for allowing us to use his music for our intro and outro, and also to ITX for hosting our podcast. Thanks, everyone, for hanging around. What did I see? A man from Minnesota swinging tree to tree. A thin piece of fabric suspended in the air. Should I even try it? Man, should you even dare? Had two straps and a couple of toddles. How this would even work? My mind began to boggle. Yeah.